everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA Basketball in general to give you the best insight possible into what is happening in the sport throughout this state. In this week's episode, I'm pleased to say we have a living legend as our guest. He played a Wildcats record 482 games, won four championships, was a two-time grand final MVP. He's in the Australian Basketball Hall of Fame, and no man in Wildcats history has scored more points had more assists, more steals, or made more three-pointers. Ricky Grace, welcome to the Drill Podcast. Thanks for having me. So from a Wildcats perspective at the moment, there's so much to unpack about this season. They're four and five, but beat Adelaide on Saturday to end a five-game losing streak. What have you made of their season? Well, it's, yeah, it's been up and down, to say the least. Um, You know, there's been quite a few changes, and any time there's changes on the court i'm talking um anytime there's changes it's going to take a team a while to jail and uh when you're under the microscope as uh perth wildcats are in the basketball world well um those sort of up and downs get magnified so yeah it's been an up and down season for them so far but i'm sure the boys are very confident that uh you know once they once things fall into place that um Hopefully they'll peak at the right time and be playing their best basketball when it counts at the end. So is there anything specific that you look at at the moment that needs to change with the way they're playing or or, or the way they're structuring up? Um, I probably don't get into structure that much because I'm not at training every day and I don't know those guys' strengths or weaknesses. But, you know, um, obviously um, sometimes you do need to make changes or sometimes you just need to do what you're doing but do it better and um that's where you trust the powers to be the talent that's there the brain power that's there to sort of work that out so you don't really want to throw the baby out with the bath water that's for sure but you know sometimes it's just a matter of tweaking this or that sometimes it's a matter of uh you know just completely throw that offense out and bring in another one but um, you know, that's for those guys that are around each other every day. Uh, you know, they're training. Uh, John really has been a successful coach. All of those players have been successful players at a very high level. So, you know, you just have to believe in the system. Uh, and obviously you got to work, uh, make decisions on the fly. But um, it's not a matter of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's just finding a way to play to your strengths, to that individual team. And it's always interesting, Craig, because every year is different. You may have the same players, but the year and the season is different, you know. Uh, And that's always a challenge, just figuring out that particular puzzle. So pressure's on them. Uh, They've had their ups and downs, but I'm sure they're still quietly confident that they can get the job done. So not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, it's a really interesting way of looking at it because you can panic really easily in in sport, especially in a 28-game season when when you're nine games in. Four and five isn't as bad as losing five games in a row because you're almost back at 50-50. So is that the key? Remain calm and don't panic no matter what? Yeah, I mean, if you go to another code where Aaron Rodgers used one word to the Packer fans, you know, he said, relax, you know. And uh, after he made that famous quote in gridiron to relax, well, then they went on to have a great season. So 
Um, I'm sure the Wildcats, <laughs> it'll be hard to get the Wildcats fans to relax, but um, uh, uh, there's, I mean, they wouldn't be that many games out of, you know, uh, 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 first place. Uh, and, um, you know, another winning streak, uh, you know, four game winning streak will have them right back in the thick of things. So um, I definitely wouldn't be looking to, ba- you know, uh, make any major or wholesale changes. So you've lived this experience, and you were captain during it. In, in 2003, the Wildcats lost the grand final under Alan Black, and then he was replaced by Mike Ellis. For the Wildcats, they lost a grand final under Trevor Gleeson and was replaced by Scott Morrison. The following year, your team had a losing season, but made the finals in a it was a top eight, and you finished seventh in a 12-team comp. But the coach was replaced again. Very similar. Scott Morrison was replaced by the Wildcats. Then in comes Scott Fisher. You had a 17-15 record, uh, lost five games in a row during that season, finished seventh in an 11-team comp and played finals. This team's going through very much the same scenario. What's the pressure like and how do you focus people in to just find a way to to finish in that right spot on the table to make sure that you can still play playoffs? Yeah, and, you know, obviously uh, you can put it down to, I guess, a bit of luck that there was, uh, you know, more teams in the playoffs back in those days, but also – you tend to time your run based on the rules that are there. So, um, you know, we we sort of did always set the target to make the playoffs and, you know, time our run so that we're playing our best ball at the, at the, at the right time. Um, I think I was injured uh, that year. We uh, lost five in a row. I had knee surgery as well. So maybe that had a little bit to do with that. Uh, but, you don't listen to the noise when you're when you're when you're when you're in that inner circle. Uh, when you're doing great, you try not to listen to people because they'll make you feel like you're greater than you really are. And when you're doing bad, if you listen to people, well, they'll make you feel like you're worse than you really are. So you really have to, um, I guess, get in that inner circle and make sure. I didn't read the papers. You know, we didn't have as much social media back then, so. Um, it was a little bit easier for us to, I guess, keep within our inner circle, stay focused, keep believing in um, in our systems, and uh, you just have to trust that at the end of the day, what you're doing will, you know, work out. So one man who's very big on social media and has been talked about in the papers and everything else and has had lots of noise is this man. Manic, pick and pop, cuts. Brady Manic, not a man to leave open. Humphreys with the look inside, blocked by Brady Manick. So Brady Manick has had an up and down season so far. He was under massive pressure and then on the weekend scored 25 points and suddenly his three-point shooting percentage has gone from 27% to the exact same as Bryce Cotton, 35.5%. How do you rate what he's done? Um, and, and is there anything, a bit of advice you would throw his way? Well, it's, it's Brady's first year out of college. So it's his first year. Uh, playing professional basketball. And um, I must admit, I had a little bit of an adjustment with that as well. My first year with the Wildcats was my first year out of college. And when you're in college, you're playing in a system and you sort of get drummed in your head to play within that system. Um, Now, when um, when you're a professional and you're an import, Yes, you have to play within that system, but there's a level of of expectation of you to be one of the best and to excel. So uh, for Brady, 
you know, I can't tell him how to play, but he probably just needs to, uh, you know, continue to be super aggressive. Uh, there are certain opportunities that he may pass, may have passed up when he was playing at the University of North Carolina or the University of Oklahoma, which is my alma mater. Uh, but, um, you know, now as a professional athlete, particularly as an import, you're expected to deliver the goods. So uh, you have to be super-duper aggressive, and your team will actually benefit from you being aggressive. And uh, hopefully uh, by him being aggressive, he'll make the other players around him better. So uh, my advice would be just to be super aggressive. It's probably taking him a little bit of time to get used to the style of play, but Brady has played at the highest level uh, next to the NBA all his life, and uh, I'm sure he's confident in his own abilities. It's just a matter of him figuring out where he can implement his skill set into the Wildcat system, and the only way – you can do that is by being aggressive. Otherwise, uh, before you know it, there'll be, you know, a whole season gone. So did you monitor him and did you, as someone who, who went to the same college as him, were you someone who was watching his games last year and were aware of him before he even arrived at the Wildcats? Uh, well, he was at University of Oklahoma uh, first, and then he was at University Oh, yeah, the other way around, of course, yes. So he was at North Carolina last year. But, yeah, I, I saw him, you know, as a, as a basketball fan. I mean, I watched the... University of North Carolina play. I saw him play. I saw him play well. And, you know, he was on the court with NBA players and, um, uh, and, and, and played well. So it's not a matter of whether, um, you know, he's good enough to, to play in this league. It's just a matter of him implementing his skill set into what the Wildcats are doing. And that's up to him to figure that out. But the only way you can figure that out is, is by being aggressive. So it's really interesting. The comp goes into a bit of a hiatus this weekend due to the World Cup qualifiers, and we've already seen since the game's finished that Devondrick Walker has gone from Brisbane as an import, and Craig Randall has left Adelaide as an import due to, from an attitudinal point of view, more than anything, they weren't happy with the way he was behaving. So suddenly everyone's asked, thinking, well, the next couple of weeks is going to be when clubs make changes. It sounds like you're really uh, pushing for the Wildcats to just st- be stable, just stick with what you've got. As you said, no, no baby out with bathwater. Don't look to make, make changes. Stick with what you got and see what you can what you can turn the season into with this group. Well, I'm not I'm not I'm not giving any advice. I'm not saying yes or no. Uh, I'm I'm trusting into the brain trust that the Wildcats have. So, uh, you know, John Jr. Um, John really has been around the game a lot. Very familiar with the NBL. He's seen these guys train every day, and I haven't. So. Uh, now, do they fit with what the Wildcats need? I always look at it three ways, if you want my true opinion. I always say there's three aspects to the game, all right? Uh, first, there's the skills, and then there's the mental or the intelligence side, and then there's sort of the uh, the athletic side. So, okay, like Bryce Cotton, he's one of the best, if not the best of all time. Uh, 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 Skills-wise, one of the best of all times. Intelligence-wise, one of the smartest of all times. Speed-wise, one of the fastest of all times. So he ticks all three boxes. And when I'm actually sort of looking at someone that I would pick to go to war with, I ask myself, are they bigger, stronger, or faster? Are they smarter? Or are they much better skilled? 
And those are the three criteria that I have. So if you want to look at, you know, anyone that you're judging, that's the criteria I go by. So I mentioned Bryce Cotton earlier. He's been so fantastic for the team this year. Here he is again. Oh, and he flies. Air Cotton set for takeoff. Here it is. You turn your head. He goes back door and with the two hands stuffs it. That is special. And he's been special for a hell of a long time, but he's been doing a lot of it by himself this year compared to other seasons. Is there anything that you've noticed that the team can do to make his life just a little bit easier? Um, well, man, uh, again, you know, it's up to, it's up to JR and John really to figure that out. I mean, uh, you know, scoring, scoring is a major aspect of the game, but, you know, also bringing, bringing your teammates into the game and helping them to be better as well is an aspect of the game too, but also demanding uh, that of your teammates as well. So, I mean, Bryce is doing everything he can. He has been, you know, just the ultimate, the ultimate uh, jewel for the Wildcats since he set foot here. And there's, there's, there's not much more that I guess I would ask the man to do, you know, Um, you know, um, maybe, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm not at training every day, you know, so uh, what I always did was try and make sure that I got mine, but also I tried to make sure that all the others around me were better as well. So, and I'm sure he's doing his best to, to do that. Uh, and you know, it's up to everybody collectively to figure out how they can, um, I guess, contribute more, uh, on the stat sheet. So you mentioned you're not there at training all the time. You were there a few weeks ago. From, it was only for about five minutes where you were able to call in and see them train for a little bit. There's been so much talked about with the culture at the club. I don't know whether you've spent much time with them um, throughout the, since John really arrived and since the COVID issues mean that people are actually allowed to go back and meet players and chat to them. Have you had any real involvement with them this year or was that five minutes pretty much all you've had an opportunity to see them with? Yeah, that was pretty much it, that, that, that five minutes. But... The culture of the club is uh, more than just the players. The culture of the club is, you know, we've had great ownership. Um, we've had great management uh, at the club. We've had great players. And we've also had great fans. So the culture of the Wildcats, uh, you know, we've been lucky enough to have great players. But, uh, you know, we, we've also been lucky enough to have great management and great owners. So, um, I'm sure, you know, with the new ownership, the new management, the new players, you know, the only thing that's consistent is, I guess, the great fans. So uh, it's just going to take these guys, you know, time to to find their way. Um, it's a whole new sort of um, uh, regime. And I'm sure once they sort of find their niche on how this all works, well, then they'll they'll be just just as successful for a long period of time. So I just think we need to be a bit patient, uh, you know, let the boys, um, you know, find their own identity, find their own niche. That's from, you know, ownership to management to the players. And and um, I'm, I'm very confident that they'll, they'll be where they want to be in the end.
you certainly a really steady voice around this, which shows your experience around the game. We know that fans are agitated by the ownership change, and you, you experienced agi- agitation with ownership changes over the years as well in coaching. I think, what is it? It's four championships with four different coaches for you, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and multiple owners probably over that time as well. So do you think that the fans just need to take a bit of a step back and, and say, well, look, this is different, but it doesn't mean that it's always going to be different or is always going to be where it is at the moment and that this ownership group might actually just be going down a different path which will eventually lead to success. I'm telling the fans to do and say whatever the hell they want. They pay their money. They can do and say what the hell they want. That's why they're fans. So um, I enjoy I enjoy passionate fans, whether they, you know, I enjoy going on the road and uh, somebody from Melbourne calling me who knows what, you know, because they are a Melbourne Tigers fan. They love it and they support that team and they may hate me as a player, but they don't hate me as a person. They just hate me as a player at the time. I love that. So I love when the fans are passionate and, um, you know, those these fans are passionate because they pay damn good money. And uh, and they've been supporters for a long period of time and they should expect the best. So I don't have a problem with the fans at all. But as a player, you know, you have to block that out because those same fans will give you the biggest pat on the back. And they're angry because they love you, you know, and you have to understand that. So I don't have a problem with uh, the fans reaction as long as there is a reaction. Passion's the most important thing, isn't it? Now, it's a play-in series this year. It's a top six, effectively. If you if you finish sixth, you get the opportunity to, to, to play for the right to end up in the playoffs. Do you like that concept? Do you, we've seen it in the NBA, obviously. What's your thoughts on the fact that now you can get to sixth and then have a real crack at it if you make it? Yeah, I think the more the merrier. Um, you know, as you've uh, stated, we... We won the grand final from fifth place um, in 1990, our first championship. We were actually had the same record, I believe, as the sixth place team, and um, and we um, we um, we actually uh, had a tiebreaker, so we finished fifth but had the same record as the sixth place team and won the championship. So I think the more the merrier, particularly when you have you know a relatively short season, 30 games is not that long. Uh, compared to, say, an 82-game season in the NBA or 162-game season in baseball. Uh, so with a relatively short season, I think the more the merrier and um, and um, it'll make for a really exciting playoff series. We've seen that Luke Travers has withdrawn from the Boomers this week because of his workload. He's had a massive, massive offseason trying to get drafted to the NBA. Then he did get drafted. Then he had Summer League, and he's been a bit banged up in recent games as well after a really good start to the NBL season. Can you see him being that player who that he wants to be to be on that NBA roster and to make that, that Cavs final team? What, what do you think of Luke from what you've seen of him? Um, Yeah, I, I you know, Potential is a dangerous word, <laughs> and uh, but Luke does have the potential to uh, become a great player uh, in uh, in this league. But also, he's an NBA level player. Um, you know, um, I think he's about fifty thousand shots away from adding a zero or two to his to his wage. You know, so you know if he just gets in the gym puts up five 750 shots a day five days a week i have no doubt that luke will end up in the nba 
It's a lot of shots, isn't it? 50,000 shots. Like It shows the work that you have to do to be an elite athlete, doesn't it? When That's the number that pops into your head. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of repetition. It doesn't come easy. Well, it's actually not that many shots. Uh, I mean, you know, I put up back in my day 500 to 750 shots a day, um, four days a week, you know, so that's that's, you know, 3,000 shots a week, you know, so that's only 15, 20 weeks, you know, worth of shooting. So uh, if you're a professional athlete, a professional basketball player, you know, uh, particularly with aspirations to be playing in the NBA, and uh, the only thing between you and the NBA is probably that jump shot, uh, well, why wouldn't you do it? So for me, five, 750 shots a day, you know, 3,000 shots a week, that's only 15 weeks. You got 45,000 shots. So, um, you know, I just, I just think, uh, you know, he's not that far. If he works his butt off, he'll end up in the NBA. Although you have it, if you're an aspiring player, <laughs> that's how many shots you need to put up to be successful and to, and to build yourself a career. Your boy had a, had a really good season um, in the NBA One West. You're must be really proud of how he went. Yeah, uh, Jeremy's Jeremy had a, a really, really good season. Um, he was player of the week, um, player of the week the last week of the season. Also, player of the week another time during the during the season, and and uh, thought he might have even uh, had a better week another week where he didn't win 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 player of the week. So, uh, really proud of him. I think I think if his last name wasn't Grace, he'd probably be in the NBL. Um, I think he's graded a little bit harder than uh, than a lot of players, and uh, there are some players in the NBL that I think uh, he would be definitely just as good as. So um, maybe one day we'll see him, but I'm I'm really proud of him. He's doing a lot of work with Grace Basketball where, you know, we do one-on-one trainings, we do group trainings, school holiday camps. We just opened up a venue down in Mandra called Shoot Zone that we're doing a lot of work in. So I'm really proud with not only what Jeremy's doing on the court, but also the work that he's doing to help uh, West Australian, young West Australian basketballers through Grace Basketball. Grace Basketball, there you go. If you want to be a, a superstar or if you want to learn from a superstar, you can't do any better than going to Ricky Grace and getting some help there. And you mentioned that final game was 31 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and he averaged 20 points per game for the Perth Redbacks. So, um, and it was, it was Adelaide for one year, was it, that Jeremy was, it was um, working with, or was it, or was it a bit longer where he was involved with them? Yeah, no, you, uh, you're right again. Yep, um, he was at Adelaide the one year. Uh, Joey Wright's last year uh, was uh, had a really good year as a development player there. Uh, if Joey would have returned, well, he he probably would have gotten an NBL look, but uh, Joey didn't return. So when you get new coaches come in, they tend to have you know sort of new ideas and want to do things a little bit differently, and uh, that's what happened with with Jeremy and Adelaide, but no, he did have a, he did have a really, really good year and, and, uh, developed a lot under Joey Wright. Joey Wright's one of the best development coaches, uh, in Australia. Uh, well, hopefully he gets another, another crack at it at some point. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. You're always a pleasure to talk to. We know the fans adore you, um, and you've provided a really strong message for uh, people who are once, wanting to become players one day or just wanting to watch the Wildcats at the moment and, and have some insight into what's going on. So hopefully the Wildcats can give you and everyone else more joy for the rest of the season. So I appreciate your time. 
I appreciate it. And all, as always, I appreciate the Wildcat fans. Go Wildcats. Thank you very much to Ricky Grace there. Now, I, I should mention that we did put a request in with the Wildcats to speak to GM of basketball, Danny Mills, uh, this week about all the key issues around the club. He was unavailable, but I'm really pleased to say that we have been assured that he will come on and answer all of the qu- key questions next week. So stay tuned for that. Now, we do know that a lot of Wildcats fans aren't happy. Uh, several people at the Wildcats weren't happy with the story in the West Australian on Thursday, and the suggestions uh, internally are that the game day experience issues, which I wrote about, have been over blown, I would tend to disagree with a lot of that. And I know people don't necessarily email clubs to complain anymore, and they don't make phone calls, but they certainly do vent on social media. And all you have to do is look at social media at the moment to see the venting. Uh, I'm also I'm going to play you now a one-minute clip, which will air on Friday as part of the NBL's new documentary series, Unrivaled. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the NBL this season. This was recorded before round one. And the first audio you'll hear is of Craig Hutchison answering a question about whether the club was in crisis during the off-season. And that's followed by the audio of interviews with Wildcats fans at the front of RAC Arena. As I say, bear in mind, this is an NBL doco, so not not from us, um, and it will uh, be aired later on this week. And it was before round one with in terms of the fans. So let's have a listen to this one minute of audio now. Is the club still in crisis mode? Uh, absolutely not, and never was. I know that uh, Perth generated... The, the, here's the thing about Perth. Perth generates more media, more attention, more profile in its market than anyone else by a long way. Perth is more relevant in its town than most teams can ever aspire to be in theirs. And that's because of the passion of the fan base, the love of the club, and the huge local media interest in it. So if things go right or wrong, they're probably a little bit overplayed on either way. Certainly things went wrong last year. The team was never in crisis. What was wrong with last year? (laughs) Oh, look, I mean, a new coach, new owners, I mean... They've got new staff, so we can only go up with the hope. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a big conglomerate now, so it's taken away the family atmosphere. So, But hopefully, new coach, new ideas, fresh ideas, we might be able to go somewhere. Oh, look, I think uh, the Wildcats organisation's just changing. We've got new owners. Jack Bendat's not there. I think Jack was a really great influence on West Australian basketball. So it's up to them now to make a statement as to who they are. So you can see from that, as I said, NBL documentary, just interviewing people out the front of RS Arena before round one and big conglomerate now, changed the family atmosphere, owners mentioned quite a lot. Uh, so, And as I said, social media is certainly showing that people aren't happy about different elements of the way games are taking place. Uh, we've obviously had the five-game losing streak. We've had the changes to the game night. Midweek fixtures are causing a massive problem. But in terms of the night itself, I'll pose this question for you. If the Port Adelaide Football Club get to round one next season and just as their fans stand up, hold up their scarves above their head and wait for Never Tear Us Apart to be played over the loudspeaker so they can sing along, if that wasn't played and they played a Britney Spears song, what would the reaction be? That's only been part of the Powers pre-game build-up since 2014. The Wildcats game day has followed the same routine for a lot longer, and people care. It's not just a song, or it's not just a little moment of the day. It's a big thing to people, because little things matter, and every sporting team is unique, and every set of supporters is different. If you change what they love, they don't love it as much. And don't change what works for teams, is what teams have to remember. I've covered Wildcats games in Melbourne, Sydney, Illawarra, Adelaide, Cairns, and Brisbane. The atmosphere created by the fan base, and the people hyping them, and all of the entertainment packages at all those venues for those teams are all different. 
but none of them compare to the raucous nature of RAC Arena. And that's because of the fans, and it's because of what's been built for decades around that. This isn't a small pocket of people who are annoyed, and it can be easily fixed. I'm going to read you a tweet from the WNBL over the weekend when their broadcasts under a new production company were totally unacceptable and it was a total debacle. Fans were outraged. It was all over social media. So the league got on and posted this tweet. They said, We are here. We are listening to your feedback. The broadcast is not up to standard. We are working around the clock with our production partners to fix the issue. Our athletes are playing high-quality basketball and our broadcast needs to showcase that to fans. There's no ambiguity with that. Fans know exactly what's going on. There's no spin. They've acknowledged that they are listening to their fans. If the Wildcats come out now and simply tell fans they are listening, they understand the concerns that people have expressed and want to show that they are paying attention by making those changes to the first and last quarters, that would be the perfect gesture of goodwill. That would tell the people who keep complaining and saying, this new ownership team don't listen to us, that that ownership team are listening to you. Only 9,805 people bought tickets to the game on Thursday night. That's the lowest figure in a non-COVID-impacted game for the club ever at RAC Arena. And I said then those people bought tickets. That's not an actual attendance figure. The Wildcats have always published figures based on tickets sold. If you buy a ticket and don't turn up, you are counted in that crown figure. So there were plenty of empty seats there the other night. I'd love to know how many people actually walked into the building, but it's not fair to even compare that number these days because we don't know what it was five, ten years ago or anything like that. So the only number we have that makes any sense is those tickets sold numbers, and it was a low number. All eyes will be on the crowd for the next game, which is once again a Thursday night. That is a terrible time slot, and that's the NBL's fault. That's not the Wildcats' fault. The time slot makes no sense. Families don't want to keep their kids up late. It's a 9.30pm start already in the eastern states, so it's hardly catering to viewers for them, the visiting team, especially once again on that Thursday night, different for a Friday night. The overall media coverage for the league is also impacted by playing it on a Thursday night. There's earlier deadlines for newspapers midweek. The press conference began at 11.30pm Eastern Standard Time. Good luck getting that into a paper if you're Tasmanian and wanting to hear what was going on with Scott Roth after the game. So these sorts of things need to seriously be addressed by the NBL because it's fine to have a TV product, but you need people in the building. And Friday night should be Wildcats night. People have always packed out RAC Arena on a Friday. It's the goose that lays the golden egg for the league, and the league needs to listen. From a WNBL perspective, Perth Lynx have plenty of work to do. They lost to Melbourne Boomers 104-88 on Wednesday night and followed that with an 85-66 loss to Bendigo on Sunday. Turnovers are a clear issue. Defence is a clear issue. Uh, Overall star power isn't what that was last year, and some other teams have a lot more star power, despite Sammy Whitcomb blitzing in the first game and Chloe Bibby being wonderful in the second. The Lynx will host Canberra on Saturday night, and we can only hope that the TV broadcast will improve. But... Given it is a home game, I would actually encourage everybody to just go out and attend the match in person. Don't watch it on TV. Go to the game because that's where the real experience is. As you mentioned with the Wildcats, you create a good atmosphere. People want to go. So it's the best way to support any team. And you don't have to rely on the technology to actually be working properly for you. So when you turn the TV on, that the audio is correct and the color of the team's uniform is correct and the scoreboard doesn't read 711 to 80 like it did the other day. So, well, that's it for this week's episode of the Jewel Podcast. Thank you to the amazing Ricky Grace for his time. Remember, you can read all of your basketball news in the West Australian newspaper and keep logging on to thewest.com.au. Thank you to the magnificent magnificent Kate Ryan for all of her production work. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast.